TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features general internist Priscilla Pimu, recorded live at TED Residency 2019. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're like me, you've always got some projects started that you haven't finished just yet guilty. With any project, it always helps to have the right tools. That counts for managing money, too. The cool thing is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is the perfect tool if you have big-ticket purchases coming up or even if you just need to take care of some debts. With a low intro APR for 18 billing cycles, make sure you have the right tool to help you manage your money. Check out what you can get accomplished today and apply at usbank.com slash platinum. Limited time offer, the creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. TED Talks Daily is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings with $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. When I first became a doctor in Benin City, Nigeria, some 30-odd years ago, I was drawn to help people live full lives. But often I found myself feeling impotent. Here I was, I was a brand-new doctor with all these skills, but I couldn't cure my patients who had chronic diseases. Illnesses like heart disease, asthma, diabetes, It needed more than just handing them a prescription or providing brief counseling in the office to get the job done. Fast forward 15 years later, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a different world, but it was deja vu all over again. As doctors, we see our patients who have chronic illnesses in an episodic way. In between, the patients have to learn how to make a lot of decisions for themselves. I'll give you examples. If you have medications you're supposed to take every day, what do you do when you're sick? Are you still supposed to take it? How do you recognize a complication when it happens? How do you recognize a side effect when it happens? What do you do with it? In addition to all of this, they're dealing with the inevitable loneliness, isolation and anxiety that people who have chronic illnesses deal with. In the U.S. alone, six in 10 adults have a chronic illness. That's 125 million people. A recent report from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation showed that health habits account for 50 percent of the health outcomes that people experience, while medical care only accounts for 20 percent. In fact, the Centers for Disease Control says that if we could eliminate smoking, physical inactivity, and poor nutrition, that we can prevent 80 percent of heart disease, 
80% of type 2 diabetes and 40% of cancer. But we also know that changing health behaviors is very difficult. So we ask the question, what if? What if we could create a resource that could motivate people to change health behavior? The truth is, there are a lot of these resources out there that help people acquire these so-called self-management skills, but many a time they're not easily accessible or relatable, particularly to individuals within minority and underserved communities who face bias, in addition to barriers like language and culture and inadequate health insurance coverage. And so in the last 12 years, my colleagues in that Morehouse School of Medicine have created a technology-based application to assist with chronic illness care. It's freely available on the web and as an app. And what we do is we get people to track variables, blood pressure, blood sugar, and they're reported back to them in a color-coded format. So green would indicate a healthy range, and red would indicate a problem that needs something done about it. We link these stats to a curriculum. The curriculum helps the individual learn about their health condition, whatever it is, whatever the chronic illness is. They also work with a health coach to learn self-management skills, skills that have helped them prevent complications of their illness. In order for the coach to be successful, they have to be able to gain the trust of the individual that they're working with. We tested this application in, a, in clinics where the health coaches were medical assistants and in a large urban church where the health coaches were volunteers from the health ministry. A year later, a third of the participants were able to acquire three new self-management skills and maintain them to the extent that it was able to improve their blood pressures, their blood sugars and their exercise. Now, what was simple yet fascinating to us was that the group from the church did just as well or even better than the group that were under purely medical care, and we wanted to learn why that was. So we looked a little further into the research, 400 hours of recorded conversation, and what we learned was that the coaches from the church did have more time to spend with the patients. They had access to the patients' families, and so they could figure out what people needed and provide those resources for them. My team and I call this culturally congruent coaching. To illustrate this concept of culturally congruent coaching, I want to tell you about one of our patients. I'll call her Ms. Bertha. So Ms. Bertha is an 83-year-old lady with diabetes and hypertension. She was assigned to Anne, her health coach in the church. Anne also happened to be a family friend to Ms. Bertha for many years, and they were fellow congregants. Anne observed after the first few visits that even though Ms. Bertha faithfully recorded her stats, they were all showing up as red. So she probed a little deeper to try to understand what was going on with Ms. Bertha, and Ms. Bertha gave her the real real. <laughs> she told her that... There were times when her medications made her feel weird, and she wouldn't take them the way they were prescribed because she thought it was due to the medicines, but she didn't tell her doctor that. She also skipped out on some doctor appointments for a variety of reasons, but one of them was she wasn't doing better, and she didn't want to make her doctor mad, so she just didn't go. 
So Anne talked to Miss Bertha and asked her to bring her daughter in for the next visit, which she did. And at that visit, Anne was able to print out a log of all these stats that Miss Bertha had been collecting, gave them to her, and encouraged them to go see the doctor together, which they did. With that information, the doctor was able to make changes to Miss Bertha's treatment. And like within three months, Miss Bertha's numbers were all in the green. Now, no one was more excited or surprised than Miss Bertha herself. Now, Anne was successful as a health coach because she cared enough to go below the surface and probe Miss Bertha's deep culture and was able to reach her at that level. She knew how to listen and she knew how to ask the right questions to get to what was needed. We all have deep, unconscious rules that drive the way we make our health decisions. That's our culture. The relationship and the conversation between Anne and Miss Bertha illustrates what's possible when we have conversations with our patients, our friends, and our neighbors on a deep cultural level. And personally, I'm beyond excited to think that with this simple concept of culturally congruent coaching, we could change the lives of 125 million Americans and many others across the world that are living with chronic diseases. Thank you.